Let's go, folks. Time for the Gibby Show. How you doing, baseball fans? And welcome to another edition of the Gibby Show, presented by Miller Lite, the official beer of Major League Baseball and the Gibby Show. I'm John Arezzi. Joining me, he is the former manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, skipper of the 2015 and 2016 Jays playoff teams, a member of that crazy 1986 world champion New York Mets team, co-author of the best-selling book, Gibby, Tales of a Baseball Lifer, also narrator of the audio version of that book. He's the star of the Gibby show and a true baseball lifer, John Gibbons. Hey, Gibby, what's happening down on the home front in San Antonio this Halloween week? Did you say star, by the way? I said star of the Gibby show. <laughs> yeah, my twinkling too much. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of like, damn. <laughs> Anyway, what's going on down here? We just got a cold from me. It's freezing now. It dropped about 40, 45 degrees since yesterday. I was in the same boat here. It was 85. I went to the downtown Franklin, the big pumpkin fest. 60,000 people were there in this yeah. little town. Crazy, but it was 85 degrees, and it's uh, 42 degrees right now. What I guess drop. it's about time, though. It's almost November, isn't it? Is today November? Anyway, yeah, it's uh, about to... Well, this, is, this week is November for sure. Uh, okay, it's Halloween. So. It's all of that. It's supposed to turn cold, but uh, yeah, you don't get you know you get used to it being so warm. For you guys, extremely warm. We're in kind of a sweet spot here in Nashville, but uh, yeah, you could notice the big, big change, and it uh, looks like the the warm weather is over for the season. Um, hey, that's why it's nice to have domed stadiums in both the World Series true. teams. But you know, so anyway, it's not my money. Somebody's got to pay for it. <laughs> exactly. Well, the baseball season is continuing. We're winding down. We're in the middle of the World Series right now. Uh, The 2023 series between the American League champion Texas Rangers, National League champion uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, It's already proving to be a very exciting fall classic. We're going to discuss that here on today's show. And uh, we're also going to go back with Gibby and talk about his World Series experience in 1986. Uh, we will have uh, some Blue Jays news, of course, and on this week's Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons, we bring on one of the best relievers in Jays history, a key member of that 1992 and 1993 World Series championship squad. That Dwayne Ward is going to join us. We're looking forward to that. And, of course, inspired by our friends at Miller Lite, we're going to have another roast and toast this week, and it's going to be an interesting one for sure. But let's get started with the leadoff. Uh, Gibby, uh, in the beginning of the postseason, few insiders predicted a fall classic featuring the Arizona Diamondbacks against the Texas Rangers. I think the odds on either of those teams winning, first of all, were pretty great. I think it was 200 to 1 on Arizona. But here we are in the, in the World Series. These two teams are facing up. Let's get right down to it. What's your opinion so far of the 2023 World Series? You know, Johnny, I love it. You know, uh, yeah, you know, like that's the beauty of the wild card. You know, you don't have to win in your division. You, you can get in, and, and if you're uh, if you're playing good baseball, you got a, you got a chance to win. And that's that's what captivates cap, captivates fans. You know, keeps them interested during the season. Instead, of, you know, otherwise, you know, you, you Atlanta Braves run away with it. You know, and, and everybody else in that division is you know they, they lose interest, right? But now everybody's there. The Phillies end up getting in, and they thump the Atlanta Braves. So. 
it's it's wonderful for baseball. But you know, two different, totally different teams. You know, the Texas is the more modern day slug slug it out team, uh, American League team. Where uh, you know Arizona is a lot like some old time teams. You know, where they, with good speed, they they uh, you know maybe think a little bit about the almost the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. You know, back when the you know Whitey Ball, where they they would yes. they would run crazy and. In the couple thumpers in the middle, where they had Jack Clark and and uh, you know Willie McGee and some of those guys, so it's 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 a uh, it'd be interesting to see how, how it plays out. I, I think the uh, Arizona has the edge with the, with the pitching, and they can manufacture a little bit better. But Texas, you know, te- Texas, I think you know they're so good, but they got that horseshoe going for them too, you know. But um, I think it's it, it may go seven. It, every every you know they, they've been all stretching these series out to seven. It's uh, you know, get get a few more, a little more advertising from Miller Lite, man. They play seven games. There you go. I, I I think that it could quite possibly go seven the way it's it's matched up, and uh, there's obviously a lot of surprises that come with each and every uh, fall classic. Uh, who's impressed you the most so far that may have not been on your radar going into this series? Well, you know you. Well, naturally, on our, on our radar, you know, a couple of Blue Jays players, you know, uh, Moreno and, Gabe, and uh, Gary L. Right? I had Lourdes back when I was there. He even almost yeah. set a record for consecutive hits, two hits in a game. Uh, yeah. For like, he almost he almost broke a major league record. But and I and I know there's a lot they're taking a lot of heat for that. But uh, you know what? long term they'll determine whether that was a good trade or not but it's never a good reminder you know when you see your team in there um but they're both playing very well right now and uh you know Corbin Carroll naturally you know Carroll he's just like he's gonna win the rookie of the year and he he just got the complete game and for for a rookie you know for Arizona I'm really impressed with Heim there for Texas you know I didn't know much about him you know he he, uh and I, I don't think anybody expected him to do what he's doing now um and he he's been great, you know the uh, hey, Evaldi and those guys you, you expect it out of them, uh, you know. But it's what? it should be it's good. It got a chance to be a classic series. It really does. It, it does. What about Tommy Pham? I mean, Tommy Pham with four hits the other day, and this guy is just so. And, and we had him on the Mets this year. Uh, well, the Mets had him. I didn't have him, but I was so impressed with his work ethic and how serious he took the game. And he never was afraid to answer a question. And now he's responding in a way that he really is shining. And he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. So, I mean, uh, Tommy Pham brings a lot of character and grit, like old school grit to uh, uh, to Yeah, but plus you better be careful. He'll come up and slap you, man. He could you do know, that, too. Uh, he, <laughs> he could do, do that, that, too. <laughs> but, you know, you know, it's interesting. I was reading the other day. He was talking about, the, the you know, the Mets, uh, you know, his time there that, they didn't, they didn't work that hard. You know, a lot of the veteran players in the, you know, you hate to hear that come out, uh, especially the, if you're one of those guys, but he seems like he's all business. There's, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, that's a, uh, that just shows you, you know, he, he goes from a frustrating year, you know, uh, you play, play for a team that's, that's not, you know, it's, it's really struggling. It's his free agent year. Like you said, he can be, you know, uh, and now you now you go you get traded to a team that's in it and you're now you're in the World Series and that always brings more value to you you know and uh, he's he's been able to showcase it but I've always heard he's a hard nosed dude back yeah. from his days in in St Louis you know and um, but get out of the way man he'll slap you silly 
Yeah, he uh, he takes the game very seriously and he takes his job very seriously. And it's kind of interesting to watch. But I was happy for him to see him perform as well as he do- he's done so far in the series. Um, and with the series, as we tape this, uh, they're, they're tied up one game apiece. Do you have a prediction? Who do you think is going to be the eventual champion? Gosh, you know, going in, I would have said Texas all the way, right? Uh, but you know, they, in these first two games, I mean, Arizona, she, you know, ifs and buts, they're candies and nuts. We'd all have a happy Halloween. Right. But, yes, right. but, but they, but they could be two and oh right now. Right. But they, they gave it up in the, in the ninth inning that game one. Uh, I just think they have too much pitching, you know, and not, not only in the rotation, but in, in the bullpen. And that's, that's, that's that area that's bit Texas, you know, uh, especially when they, when they start struggling at the second half of the season is, is the depth of their pitching staff. In their their bullpen, although they've been pretty good in the playoffs, this you know so f- to this point, you just I just they, there's no way they can feel as comfortable as Arizona's coaching staff is in bringing their guys in. So I'm gonna I'm gonna switch. I'm gonna go with Arizona. I'd like to see Texas because I'm a big huge Bochy guy. Yep. And uh, Chris Young, Dayton Moore over there, and I, I, I like their style, and they're from Texas. So, but I'm gonna give the edge to Arizona. Yeah, I'd like to see uh, Texas win, but. Uh... Arizona looks great. It's going to be it's going to be great to just see how it unfolds this week. And I'm looking forward to next week's show where we could talk about the series may be over by the time we tape next week. But it's going to be a great week of baseball uh, for everybody out there watching uh, this World Series. Uh, You touched upon something and I want to kind of bring that back into discussion here. And that is the former Jays prospect, uh, Gabriel Moreno, uh, closing in on baseball history. He's hit four home runs in the postseason, tying him for second place among catchers in any postseason. Just one homer behind record holder Sandy Alomar Jr., who hit five in 1997. He's 23 years of age, youngest catcher to achieve this accomplishment. And he only hit seven home runs during the regular season. But Gibby, there's growing opinion with baseball insiders and in the Blue Jays nation that the trade a year ago sending Marino and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. to Arizona for Dalton Varsho has become one-sided. Is it too early to judge that trade? You alluded to that a little bit earlier. Or did the Jays make a mistake letting uh, letting him go? Because he was supposed to be the catcher of the future. Well, you know what? To be to be fair and honest, you, you look at the catching uh, that Toronto has. You know, you got Kirk playing and he's, uh, He's coming off an all-star too. year, yeah, He's a Danny young man. Jansen. Dan, Danny's just been bit, bit, uh, by the injury bug, right? But he 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 had as many big hits as anybody on that team. So I, I don't, th- you know, if, if if they had traded Moreno and kept Gibbons, let's say Gibbons uh, when he was playing his career, that's not that doesn't go very well. But they still got two very good ones. But to be honest with you, I thought I thought they would have traded Jansen because. You know, he didn't come from their draft. The other two did, or they signed him. Um, but that's but you know, you never know what goes in those negotiations. But the Blue Jays have two very good ones right now, and uh, uh, but it but gets everybody riled up when the when the the guys you traded and there's two of them with Gary L go to the, go to the postseason, especially the World Series, and and you had such a, uh, a crazy disappointing finish to your season. It opens up a lot of but you know what? They're, they're Blue Jays are in good shape with their catching core too. Yeah, they are. And uh, you really can't, in my opinion, you really can't evaluate a trade 
immediately or even over a season or two. You gotta you gotta play it out and see how it how it how it goes. I'm sure you've hey, no, done that previously. Yeah, let's not forget too. Kirk's up for a Gold Glove award too, you know, and and, and Danny Jansen's one of the one of the better ca- defensive catchers too. Now, you, so yeah, but you, I mean, to, to be fair, I mean, but this is a this is a fair weather game business, you know, and everybody rides that hot hand, and I can mm-hmm. see why the guy's a good player, but they're also the Blue Jays are also pretty good hands. That is true. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about another Jays player. Uh, Alec Manoa. He made some news uh, this week on social media. I want to get your opinion of that. Uh, the Jay starter focused on preparing his body for 2024. So he posted several times on Instagram uh, workout sessions uh, that showed him working on his lower body and his leg strength. Uh, um, do you think Manoa's reemergence on social media? because he did go a little bit radio silent for several months. Is that a good thing at this point, or should he just wait to impress the team at spring training, trying to win a spot back in that rotation? Yeah. In this day and age, you know, I, everybody's probably wondering where, where, how's he doing? You know, they, they haven't heard from him in the, in, in the youth of today, you know, social media is so big and everybody's got their brand and, and really that's how people uh, advertise or, or everybody knows, Hey, everything's fine and dandy. So I've, I've got no problem with that. Uh, I was kind of curious myself how he's doing out there. Um, but that's, you know what, if this, this was years ago, everybody would be going, yeah, what, the, you know, what's going on, but you know, now, nowadays, but it's good to see, you know, he, he's got to be feeling pretty good or the other guys, he wouldn't be showing those things, but time will tell, you know, um, yeah, I think he's. I think he'll bounce back, and, and uh, all will be forgotten sooner or later. I've I've seen it happen before, um, because you know we're we're all big fans of his, right? You know, yes. uh, and there's there's a spot there's a spot for him, and he's accomplished a lot in the big leagues. But there's nothing wrong with getting eating a little humble pie in this business and uh, having to bounce back. It makes you better. Yeah, he's planting those seeds right now for when he shows up in uh, well, when the, when the whole team shows up in Dunedin. And that's really not that far away if you take a look at it. So uh, it's good to see him at least working hard, planting those seeds. And uh, I know that he has a lot to prove next year. And um, we've had him on the show. Great young man, and we all wish him the best, of course. Yeah, he'll he'll be he'll be back as good as ever, I think. Yeah. Well, you are listening to The Gibby Show, presented by our friends at Miller Lite. And uh, World Series is really... It goes hand in hand with Miller Lite. When that first pitch is thrown, you pop one open. I'm sure that you're doing the same there in Texas. Just don't be drinking one per inning for crying out loud, Johnny. No, it might no, be overdoing no, a little bit, you know. No, I'm older especially now. If it goes, especially if it goes extra innings, you know, like the other night. <laughs> yeah, you know, my, hey. my my beer in college was Miller Lite, and I remember a six pack being two dollars and twenty cents when I went to college in Boston. Gosh, a lot of Miller Lights huh? back then at the dorm. <laughs> and still hey, today. That's right, man. There's a reason they're the sponsor of Major League Baseball. That is right. They are the official beer of Major League Baseball. And, of course, here at the Gibby Show and anytime is Miller Lite. It's the light beer that tastes like a real beer. Gibby, for a major leaguer, there's nothing like being part of the World Series. From the youngest rookie to the journeyman, to the elite player, the World Series is the ultimate. 
And although you uh, you didn't get there as a skipper, you did get there as a player. And that was in 1986 for the New York Mets. Uh, you were part of that world championship team, although the, you weren't on the active roster. You were in the bullpen, but you were part of it. One of the most exciting World Series in history. You had a taste of it with that amazing Mets team of that year. What do you remember most about the World Series of 1986 being a part of that team, which, by the way, was the last Mets team to win a world championship? Yeah, Johnny, what, what a thrill. You know, at, uh, you know, I got called up, you know, in, in the beginning of August. Uh, Gary Carter got injured. I went up there in Cotton, and I, I stayed with the team through September. Then they kept, they kept me around for the playoffs. I wasn't on the active roster. You know, if somebody had been hurt. They could have activated somebody, you know, for the next series or what have you. So my job was to catch it in the bullpen. It's funny. I, I'm, I always end up in that bullpen. I'm, I must be one of the better bullpen catchers around. That seems like my ticket. Of all time. Of all time. But, you know, what a what a thrill. You know, I, I came up with a lot of those guys, so I knew everybody on the team, you know, for a couple of years prior to that and, and uh, some um, some of my good friends. So, to, But to be a part of it, you know, it's, it's an incredible experience, especially since it's happened in New York city. Um, but the, but the thing that really stands out is, is what, what they're known for is, is that comeback, right? The Bill Buckner, yeah. Mookie Game Wilson. Six. Yeah. And, you know, at the time, you know, everybody thought that was over, right. But the, ba- except everybody, but the baseball guys who, who knew who the better team was actually, you know, the Red Sox were the dynamite team too. You, you know, the yeah. angels, the Astros, all four teams in the finals there. Uh, and so, I'm sitting down there in the bullpen. You know, they brought they brought the uh, the mounted police in there. These big, these big old workhorses, man. And uh, because they had they got they're going to go on the field if Boston wins it. You know, for crowd control. You know. Well, you That's, were there September 17th when they when they won the division, and yeah, they oh, and yeah. the fans trashed and tore it up. They tore that entire field up. I oh mean, yeah, you. It was the it was the create, and I was there. You had actually got me my tickets. Uh, I was there, oh. and and uh, and I knew that the place was going to erupt, and I knew that society had changed a little bit, and they flooded that field, and they ripped it up, and it was, like, horrific to see. So you being in the bullpen and all the cops, they were prepared then for what we Oh, yeah. There. And, then, you know, it's funny. That, oh, yeah, so so I'm, they say they called down and say, get, I'm pretty sure. I don't know why I can't know, remember exactly. I think it was good. And they said, get good, good and go in case this game's tied, right? We got something going here, right? Yeah. So I, I go down there, I'm squatting and he's getting loose. And every, every pitch he threw, my glove would pop, right? It was just, it was a loud area and, and you know, he was throwing hard anyway. And every time I caught a ball, these horses would like jump and they'd like turn, right? And I'm thinking, dang. But the, but they had, blo- you normally you could watch the game. I'm trying to watch what's going on here, man. I'm excited as anybody in, sitting in the stand. And they had plexiglass all the way around. So I'm, I, catch a pitch, throw it back, and I'm trying to move around, see if I can see anything going on out there. And then, uh, of course, then it ended that way uh, with the Mets win, and we didn't, we didn't have to take the field again. Uh, but so that's my greatest memory. And I admit that that's everybody's memory, right, that the un- improbable or impossible comeback, right? But, yeah, and you got but a the ring. baseball guys, they, they, re- they rewarded the best team. They did. You got a ring. You were in that clubhouse for the celebrations. You were part of that uh, uh, team in 86. So, uh, yeah. That but was I will tell you this, too. Incredible ticker tape parade. I don't know how many there was oh, how yeah. many millions they said they were down there. People sitting up in the high rises, 
throwing all the graffiti. It was it was an unbelievable thing, you know. Yeah, you up there, and you the, also got to meet uh, uh, President Reagan. You guys went to the White House too, didn't you? White House and, and uh, George Bush Senior. Yeah, oh yeah. And that was, I think that was the day, if I'm not mistaken, that the Iran Contra uh, scandal broke. Yeah, you were right behind Reagan uneasy. in the picture. I mean, you were right behind Reagan. You were right there, like right in back of him. Yeah, oh yeah. Where's Waldo, man? He's right there. <laughs> Where's Gibby? <laughs> Photo bomb in the press, man. I don't know how I got in there, man. You know, I shouldn't even have been in that picture for as much as I did, but I'm I'm right there by you know. That was very no wonder very, no, very, no wonder, man, I love Reagan so much. Hey, listen, we all do in a way. I like I mean I always loved Reagan. Uh anyway, that's gonna wrap up the lead off. Uh now it's time for Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons. Four delicious loaded bowls are now available from Tim Hortons restaurants across Canada. Try the new Chipotle Steak Bowl for something savory, the new Barbecue Crispy Chicken Bowl for something smoky, the Cilantro Lime Chicken Bowl for zesty, or the Habanero Chicken Bowl for something spicy. All four bowls are packed with hearty ingredients, including zesty grains, lettuce, freshly diced tomatoes, and cucumbers, which are topped off with a creamery, flavorful sauce for an awesome meal. Uh, Gibby, I mean, once again... It sounds like a complete meal. You could get a, a quencher or you can get one of their other baked items to go along with it. It's a meal that keeps you going all day long. That's that's right. You know, now the weather's getting start getting a little bit cooler up there. It could be even better. Enjoy one of them uh, four delicious loaded bowls now, only at our friends at Tim Hortons. Today on Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons, we bring on another Blue Jays legend and someone instrumental in the 1992 and 1993 World Championship teams. He was a setup man in 92 as part of the two-headed monster, as Gibby called him, uh, with Tom Henke leading the way for that World Championship team. And in 1993, he took over the closest role for the Blue Jays and was the winning pitcher in the decisive Game 6 of that World Series which saw Joe Carter touch them all for the Jays, winning the World Championship for the second year in a row. A 1993 All-Star, the American League saves leader that year, and a 2020 inductee in a Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. We welcome Dwayne Ward to this week's Gabbing with Gibby. Dwayne, pleasure to meet you. Hey, pleasure to meet you guys. Thanks a lot for having me on. It's nice to see Gibby again once, uh, once in a blue moon. Yeah, Wardo, man. You know, I've been looking forward to this. I, you know what? I got to know you when, you know, when, when I was managing there in Toronto and you'd come to town, you'd, they'd have some kind of events, and you'd always come into my office and sit down there and we'd shoot the bull, man, and and then and talk about the game, talk about your career, what you know, how the game works. And I loved it, you know, and, and I, those, you know, that then there'd be some of the other guys from your, your teammates back then. But th- that's changed now. Of course, I'm not I'm not, I'm not there anymore, but uh that's kind of the beauty of guys like us have been in the game a long, long time, man. You can you can re- reminisce. That's why we're on here today, man, to tell some of your great stories. Well, well, that's the thing is that, you know, I think what's changed so much for me was the fact that, you know, seeing guys that, you know, you came up just a little bit before me, a year or two before me get, getting into the big leagues and stuff. But to me, the whole thing was is that you talk shop. You know, you don't you don't sit there and, you know, in, in, you know, in your cubicle and, you know, do your – all your, you know, uh, social media stuff, you sat there and talked shop because, you know, the, you may be able to tell me something that 
that I didn't know or I can implement into, into what I'm trying to do with my game. And maybe I can help you with yours. And that to me was what, you know, I came up doing. I think you did the same thing. I mean, look at the great pitching staffs that you caught where you, you know, you learn from one another. And I think that just makes you a better player. Yeah. You know, you know, Wardo, I mean, every, everything was kind of, when I was managing there, everything was kind of starting to transition a little bit away from, you know, the, you know, you had to, the analytics was just starting to come, to come around a little bit, but I can remember some some of the clubhouse guys. I would talk to them, and they would talk about because uh, now now the big thing they they turned to when I was there was the diets. You know, they have everybody has a dietitian. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I dietitian, <laughs> dietitian, or somebody else is always sitting there massaging them or whatever. <laughs> but I can remember the clubhouse guys would say, "Hey." Back 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 in your day there in the night in 93s when you guys wanted all that, the clubhouse guys would say the guys would come in after BP and the they would have to make McDonald's runs, right? Before oh yeah, game. always, always. Yeah, just you know, say, you know, here's 20 bucks, here's 20 bucks. Go get it, go get me a Big Mac, man. Come on. Starving, I'm starving here. You know, now they got shoot, now they got dietitians in there, they got a full kitchen, they got a chef, they got you know, you can get whatever you want in that, that clubhouse. Exactly. And the game cut is good. What does that tell you? <laughs> well, it's it's that, but it's, you know, a lot of, uh, I guess you can say pampering. I don't know, you know, or, you know, trying to watch people's diets. I don't know. I mean, with all the, with all the people that, you know, nowadays, you know, Tommy John is a big thing right now. And, uh, you know, for some reason, pitchers, a lot more pitchers are getting hurt with Tommy John you know, having to have Tommy John surgery and stuff like that, you know, back in the day, you didn't have a lot of guys having that, that issue. And, you know, when you heard a guy getting Tommy John, you're going, Oh man, I don't know if he's going to make it back. And if he does, it's going to take him two years, maybe, you know, two and a half years. Now it's like guys get Tommy Johnny off season are back pitching in spring training. So. <laughs> hey, so hey, the key is that the, the, the big Mac diet keeps you from oh. having to get Tommy John. <laughs> You got to have enough fat on you just to make sure you don't tear a muscle. <laughs> and then as you get older, you get all those muscles removed. So you don't get in, you don't pull any of them. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Johnny, what do you got, Johnny? Uh, it's been 30 years since Joe Carter hit that walk-off home run in 1993. It was a magical night. Incredible World Series. Can you believe it's been 30 years since that happened? No, no, that's something, you know, I talked to my wife, you know, and stuff around here saying, you know, I can't believe that this year, this October is 30 years. I mean, it's, it goes by so quickly. And I, you know, and, you know, I think the older, you know, people say, you know, the older you get, the faster time goes by. And I think, it, you know, the reason is, that, you know, you're wanting to, you're wanting to savor it, I guess, a little bit more. You're wanting to, you know, to, you know, remember some things. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, today's gone. Here's tomorrow. You know, the next day's here. You know, the next day's, you know, it's gone. So, but when you're young and stuff, you don't, you don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. And the next thing you know is you're, you know, you're 30 years older. It goes by pretty quick. Uh, you not only won that, uh, you got the W in game six, you got saves in game one, and in the wild, 15 to 14 went against the Phillies <laughs> yep. in game four. Those were standout moments for sure uh, from that season. But what other big moments or games you pitch stand out all these years later? It could be regular season or postseason. Well, first and foremost, uh, the one that I, I am – you know, so glad that it did happen was in Houston, Texas. You know, I'll, I'll give a shout out to the uh, to the Astrodome since they don't have it anymore, really. Uh, 
having my mom and dad there when I made my major league debut against the Houston Astros. That that's probably the most cherished moment outside of, you know, one and two two World Series. You know, the the thing that you want to try to do in your career is get to postseason and win a World Series. But to have my mom and dad there the day that I made my major league debut was something that, you know, it made dreams come true. And it was just the start of my dream because it was the very first year of me being in the big leagues and uh, getting that opportunity to pitch and have my mom and dad there witness it. So, you know, it was, it was a start of uh, it was a start of my dream. What year was that, Wardo? 86. 86. 86. I was with the Metropolitans at 86. Yes, yes you were. Actually, I pitched against you guys uh, in uh, – I'm trying to think of where the – I think I pitched against you guys in a, in Atlanta. Okay. Uh, and and okay. I, I, I remember, uh, remember, uh, what was his name? Uh, the umpire, uh, they called him God. Uh, oh, Harvey. Doug yes. Harvey. Har- Doug Harvey. He was at second base in that game. I was pitching against the Mets and I was facing, uh, I think I was facing strawberry. And, uh, I threw a you know couple of pitches in there that were really good, and you know and I could hear somebody behind me you know hollering you know you know where's that pitch at where's that pitch at, and I'm thinking that you know it's either you know it's got to be Glenn Hubbard because shortstop was Andres Thomas and you know he couldn't speak English that well so I, I'm thinking it's you know it's Glenn Hubbard screaming at, you know at the umpire behind the plate asking where's that pitch at where's that pitch at come to find out it was Doug Harvey hollering at the home plate umpire asking him where the pitch was at. So, you know, so, you know, it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of like the thing where you go, God, dang, this is what the big leagues are all about. The umpires holler at the umpires. I mean, this is great. Hey, that's, hey, that's, that was the good old days, man. Now you, now you can't, now you can't say anything out of line or anything like that. Oh, you can't even, can't even look. Well, shoot, if you even looked at them, look at them wrong now, it's like, you know, somebody's got, got a problem and they, you know, they want to charge after after the players, the players want to charge after the umpire. You know, it's just almost like it's got be it's gotten to be such a gentleman sport where you can't question anything, and if you do, you got to do it very quietly. Hey, well, how about the uh, how about the game? Do you see the other the game the other night when Texas is playing Houston and the guy hits a home run and it takes it takes it five oh, minutes 90, just to get the oh god <laughs> that's 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 where the game is not it's not entertaining. It's like you know you did what you're supposed to do. You hit the ball. It just happened to go out of the ballpark. Right. But now, now everybody's got to have, you know, and I was thinking about this because it was something that I was going to bring up. So, you know, a guy hits a home run in today's game and they do the things they do. Back in the day when we were first coming up and even before our time, if you did something like that, that very next batter stepping into that batter's box is going to be dusted. I mean, it's, it's okay to, you know, you hit your home run, get around the bases, but don't sit there and show me up. And now it's, it's, it's like completely the opposite. They want that fanfare. They want that, yeah. that, you know, that stuff. And to me, it, it just take, it takes away from the game where, you know, guys are running around the bases and stutter stepping and stopping. <laughs> and I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I have no idea what this is all about, but you know, back in the day, I mean, somebody but- would get hit. Well, and you know what, Eduardo, just like you said, that, that next guy going up to the plate, he didn't want to go up to the plate. Oh, no, then, he was shaking. <laughs> he was, it's a, but that's how you stopped it because 
Yes. If, if if I get hit, if I'm if I'm a big hitter, right, and I get hit because of something you did in front of me, I got a problem with that. And that's how they stopped it. And and you police your own. You know, you tell guys to, hey, get your butt around the bases and quit doing this stuff because you're going to get somebody hurt out here. I mean, yeah. could you could you imagine? I mean, you know, one of my you know childhood heroes and stuff, Nolan Ryan. I mean, you know, you you give he give up a home run if the guy didn't get around the base right away. That next guy was hit. I mean, it was just—it's just the way the game was played. Right. Hey, I, hey, I saw Nolan in the in the playoffs in '86. I was catching the bullpen for the Mets. With in uh, you know he well, this was with Lenny Dykstra was the leadoff hitter before he threw you know he threw his warm up pitches and then he then he walked towards home plate in the area where that leadoff guy because he's older <laughs> where, where they would I, lay down I, a I butt know where, right I know I know where you're going <laughs> yeah where they lay down a butt the butt area he go in there he like look at that hitter and like. And, and move his feet, foot around like, yeah. don't be butting on me, man. Yeah, I'm too exactly. old. He did they that didn't a do lot. it. He, he did that a lot. He did that, you know, almost every time he pitched, you know, he'd always go up there and like, you know, put an X on the ground or something like that, you know, and shake his finger. Yeah. And say, I'm, getting too old. I'm getting too old to fill my position. <laughs> <laughs> that is beautiful. Oh, it is I mean, so I, you know, I got, you know, I got an opportunity to watch him. You know, he threw his last no hitter against us. Okay. In nineteen ninety three, I think it was May first, nineteen ninety three. The same day, Ricky uh, Ricky Henderson, uh, you know, broke the stolen base record. But uh, you know, people don't realize Nolan Ryan came close to three times throwing no hitters against us, and they were broken up in the ninth inning. So, I mean, I got to see, I got to see one of the best in the business go out there, a guy that would go out there and throw two hundred pitches or you know one hundred and seventy five pitches or whatever. You know, he was out there for nine innings, and if oh, he couldn't yeah. make it, if he couldn't make it nine, he was gonna, you know, he was gonna, you know, do his damnedest to do it. But uh, those days are long gone. Hey, yeah, you think the manager's gonna try to take him out? Oh gosh, no. I mean, they when you okay, your head off. How many? How many? <laughs> no, he'd look. He'd look at him and go, "Is there anybody in that bullpen better than me right now? If there is, go get him. If there's not, leave me alone." <laughs> exactly. Um, but I mean, how many, how many times, Gibby? How many times did you go out there and have to have a negotiation with the starting pitcher? No, you're right. Eight. You're you know, eight. I mean, you go walk walking out there, and I remember watching a lot of the games because I was up in Toronto quite a bit when you were managing. I mean, you start walking. Out there, it's like that starting pitcher is willing to give you the ball right away. I mean, there's no negotiation. It's almost like, okay, yeah, I'm out of here. Instead exactly. Of him, instead of him fighting to say, hey, no, let me get this better. If I don't get this better, then come and get me. But no, I just it's, there's no more negotiations like there used to be back in the day. And, and especially for a guy like you, right, a, a bullpen guy, man, that you know what. Give me a break every now and then down there. You know, throw a few yeah. more innings. Give, how about me getting a night off? You know, I can I can remember. Well, look how many you you throwing over a hundred innings. It was there was nothing to it. Guys don't relievers. When's the last time a reliever threw a hundred innings? I did five years in a row. I threw over a hundred innings out of the bullpen. The most yeah. I threw out of the bullpen. Yeah, the most I threw one year was one hundred thirty-two innings. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, that's it, it. It goes back. You know, people have always asked me. You know, do you think that was probably something that you know got you hurt later? Later on was, you know, the the frequency that you would throw and, you know, the the back-to-back-to-back days and, the, you know, the, the lot of innings. Uh, and, you know, it, it probably did play a part in it. But, you know, way back when I first, you know, was coming up and, you know, I was at big league camp and stuff and talking with Gene Garber, talking with, you know, Bruce Suter, uh, 
you know, Terry Forster, you know, guys like that, you know, that, you know, that came up in the, you know, in the, in the late sixties, seventies and stuff. Bruce Suter looked at me and said, uh, you know what? Hey kid, if you get the ball offered to you, don't ever turn it down because you may never get it back again. And so it just, it was something that was instilled in me to say, you know what, Hey, if you get the, if you get the offer to get that baseball, go out there and perform, then, you know, go do it. Don't turn it down. And I see that in today's game where guys will turn the ball down or they'll just tell the manager before the game even starts that, you know, Hey, I'm not available today. And that to me is just amazing that, you know, these guys, their job security is so, you know, strong that, you know, they know that they're not going to get, sent down or get released or get, right. you know, whatever, you know, so that, that's, that's, that's a whole different game that I don't know. Hey, well, I'm telling you, I don't know how many times had to ask guys, Hey, can you give us another one? Right. They go one in. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Pull, that's like pulling teeth. Wasn't it? I mean, he said, Hey, can you give me, can you give me one today? You know, and they, you know, Cedar would always ask, you know, and that's something, you know, I got to credit Cedar with is that, you know, as, as my manager and, you know, he'd always ask me, before the game or whatever, he goes, hey, can I? Can you give me one if I need it? And he knows that I probably had pitched maybe, you know, a couple days in a row or whatever. And I'd look at him and say, you know, let me play some catch and I'll get back to you. So I got to play some catch, see how I felt. And I go back in there and say, yeah, if you need one, I'm available. But, you know, there was times that, you know, but he always asked. He never just said, hey, I, you know, give me Wardle, give me Wardle. He always asked. Right. Well, that's, that's good, yeah. But I can remember you, we were sitting in, in my office one time where I was oh. talking to you about <laughs> how, how, many, how many times you threw in a row. And he and you said, I can't remember what you said, but you said, well, I, they, they called down there to tell me, get, oh. get loose. And so I started getting loose, and I kept back. I couldn't get it to whole place, so I had to call him back and say, yeah, I don't think I can go tonight. No, no, that was uh, – no, that was uh, – that was in Oakland. And – uh I don't. I think I pitched like I don't know five or six days in a row or something, and uh, Jim Acker was with us then, so it had to be like ninety one. I think it was because Acker left after ninety one season, but I think it was in ninety one. You know, I thrown like five or six days in a row, and and I got up and just started playing catch, and I bounced a couple of them to home plate. You know, and, and Sully, our bullpen coach, looked at me and goes, "Hey, are you going to get it going?" And Jim Macker looked at him and goes, "That's all he's got. <laughs> he's, tr he's trying to he's trying to save it for the game, and that's what I was trying to do. Is just you know, hey, let me just you know get my arm loose a little bit here, because I'm going to get you know eight eight or nine more when I go out there in the game. And that's what that's that was the story I'll tell you. I bounced him up. There. Jim Macker goes, man, that's all he's got. <laughs> uh, those, days, those, those, those days are long gone. Where you know pictures, you know what was that? I just just heard uh, you know. It was big thing over with the San Diego Padres that uh, their closer didn't want to come in the game uh, in the playoffs or in the regular season. Yeah, hater. It, yeah, in the eighth inning because he will not pitch more than one inning, any any appearance. And I'm like going, my gosh, you're trying to fight to get into the postseason, and you don't want to go out there and help your team by going one and a third innings or one and two thirds innings. That doesn't make sense to me. Uh, yeah, he's a free agent. He's prote protecting himself. <laughs> yeah, making make sure he goes in there unhurt. But, I mean, at, at what point in time? I mean, I know the game has changed where everybody's a specialist, Gibby. I mean, you got and, – and I'm sure you had to deal with it a lot. Sitting there going, you know, we got to go lefty against lefty, righty against righty. And to me, I look at it as a bullpen guy. If I can't get a left-hander out, then why am I going out there to that bullpen? Because the minute I come into that ball game, they're going to start switching their lineup over. 
And that to me says, I've got to be able to not only get my right-handed guys out, but I also got to be able to get those left-handers out. And that's something I think the game is, is kind of missing is that you, you will have your closers face those lefties or righties, you know, depending on which way they throw, but you don't have those guys beforehand trying to fight through that and saying, okay, I got to learn how to get a left-hander or a right-hander out. Yeah, exactly right. You know, and, and, uh, you know, what's, you know, what's amazing about your career, Ordo is, is, uh, you know, you, you were a hard thrower, right? And to throw a hundred innings, you know, usually the guys that would, you know, that uh, could chalk up a lot of innings were kind of your finesse guys. Your, yes. You call them thumbers. I mean, yeah. you were coming in there and letting it fly just like the guys nowadays and you, and you, you threw over a hundred innings. People can't, people don't, can't appreciate that nowadays. Well, I, I think a lot of it is, is that, Today's game, and you got to see it up close and personal. Where you know, I got to watch it every now and again when I was coming up to Toronto, and you know, I get a visit with you and stuff. But nowadays, it seems like these relievers they come in the game and just try to throw it as hard as they can from the get go because they know they're only going to probably be out there for one, two, or three bats, and they're just like airing it out. And it's almost like it doesn't matter where it goes, but my velo was high. Yeah. Instead of sitting there looking, you know, you can still have your velocity. You can still, but you got to have that command. I mean, I was thinking about this and I, you know, I want to ask you this question. I mean, when you're managing, when you're looking at, you know, down in that bullpen, you got, you know, two guys on, nobody out and that starter struggling. Do you think in your head as a manager going, God, who can I trust to bring in this game, not to give up those two runs that are out there on, on, you know, on, on the pond. I mean, is that oh, something yeah. that you had to think about that? You know, and I, I got to thinking about that going, my gosh, you know, we only had 10 pitchers on the staff. Nowadays they got what, 12, 13, 14, oh, whatever, yeah. whatever it could be. And they got that, that conveyor belt that they just, you know, up and down, up and down triple A or whatever. And, you know, giving, you know, giving a guy, you know, a day off, whatever, excuse me, you know, call a guy up or whatever. But, uh, you know, we only had 10 guys, five guys in that bullpen. And I, you know, remember talking with Cito and, you know, the season basically consists of about 1,450 innings. And how are you going to get your 10 pitchers to cover 1,450 innings? And nowadays you got starters that barely get 200 innings. Oh, yeah, there's, there's a, only a handful that even get 200 days. Maybe not yes. even that anymore. Exactly. And so, you know, at least back in the day, you know, and I can almost tell you your pitching staff you had over with the Mets, you know, with Gooden and Darling and Chiraldi and I mean, all these guys. I mean, those guys are going to go up there and pitch 250, possibly 300 innings. So, I mean, that's got to make a manager's job so much easier to sit there and go, gosh, you know, these guys are giving me seven, eight, nine innings. At least I'm going to have at least three of these four, uh, three of these five starters going to give me nine innings. Well, they have to, Ben. Yes, but, it, exactly, because you didn't have the help in the bullpen. Right, exactly. But that's where they you became know. pitchers. They had to, you yes. had to learn how to pitch. You didn't. It, everything couldn't be max effort on every pitch you threw, or you wouldn't. It, it, you, wouldn't it, you couldn't hold up. That's exactly right, and that's where I think that the game has changed so much as far as utilizing guys out of the bullpen. You don't. You know, I, I would be terrified to be a manager today because, I, you know, I, one, one thing I do, you know, I told you, you know, I keep up, you know, watching box scores and stuff like that. One thing I do is I, uh, I will look at the box scores on all the teams that played that day, you know, from teams that played yesterday. And I would look and see what 
every one of those pitchers ERAs are. And I could almost count of the of the 30 starters, 15, 14 of them will have a four and a half or higher ERA. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, going, gosh, you know, I would hate to be a manager now thinking at what point in time is this guy going to give up those four and a half runs or those five or, or those five runs? Because you know it's going to happen. You know it's going to happen just because of what their track record is. But then you start looking at the bullpen guys. <clears throat> Excuse me. These guys, you know, these guys are carrying four and a half, five, five and a half ERAs. Who does John Gibbons pull into the game to say, I hope this guy doesn't give up runs today? <laughs> you know, I mean, that – that to hey, me, go ahead. No, I mean, Wardo, that, that five, that four and a half, five early, make you about 10 million a year now. Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Where, I, but, you know, guys will go out there and, you know, give up those inherited runs. Yeah. And then you have, and then you have to go get him because here comes a lefty up after he's given up, you know, two hits to right handers yet he couldn't get out. And here comes lefty. So now you got to go get him and burn another pitcher out of the bullpen. But, that guy will walk off the mound and go, "Yeah, my velo was good, wasn't it?" Well, <laughs> you know, and, and those those weren't my errors either. You know, but yeah, my velo was good. How hey, how was my yacker looking today? <laughs> it didn't matter. I mean, she, the catcher never saw it. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, Mike <laughs> Mike Flanagan was the best in the business at you know just making the the game of baseball funny. You know, he would sit there and talk about. You know, starting pitcher, you know, just getting lit up, you know, and the manager would come out there and, you know, look at him and go, hey, you know, I don't, I think I got to get you, you know, and he'd look at the catcher and the catcher, you know, he'd go, hey, man, how's this stuff today? And the catcher would go, oh, hell, I don't know. I haven't caught one yet. <laughs> and he goes, well, you know, but, but Skip, I'm not, Skip, I'm not tired. And the skipper would look at a starting pitcher and go, hey, look out there at your outfielders. They're dead. <laughs> I got to give them a break. That's right. Hey, yeah, man. Hey, a lot, a lot of humor in this business, you know. Oh, really... and that's what that's what keeps you sane. Yeah. Yes. To me, that's the that's what I I think. You know, if people want to know what I miss most about the game, obviously I miss the the competition. Right. If I could still play to this day, right now, I I I would go do it because I love the competition. But the thing I miss most is the clubhouse. Yes. You know, just the, the camaraderie, the fun, the pranks, the, the jokes, you know, things that, things that, you know, everybody in baseball doesn't get to see except for the, those, those chosen few that are on the baseball team. And that's what right. I miss, you know, that camaraderie of just, just relaxing and not worrying about who I got to get out tonight. <laughs> and hang, and hanging with the boys, you know. And, yeah, yeah. and people say, you know, what do you do? You miss the game, and I say, yeah, I, I, I miss it, but I don't have, I don't miss having to think about who I'm going to face today. Exactly. I don't miss, I, I don't miss that because that's just added, added uh, pressure. Plus, yeah, know. exactly. <laughs> this doesn't work anymore. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, one, one day, you know, speaking of my hero Nolan, you know, he had so many guys taking taking the day off when he pitched, and we we called it Ryanitis. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, guys said, no, I, I, I ain't hitting off this guy today. It ain't going to happen. So, you know, everybody had Ryanitis when he was pitching. Hey, quick story. Then I get turned over to Johnny for a minute. Cause Ralph Gar, you remember Ralph? Oh, no. Oh, couldn't stop talking. Oh yeah. Ralph. <laughs> Ralph I was sitting, 
when I was playing in AAA, Ralph was uh, one of the coaches for the Richmond Braves, and I was in AAA with the Mets. We had a rain delay, and so a few guys on each team were getting together and laughing, right? And Ralph, like you said, Ralph loved to talk. <laughs> so he started telling the story about Nolan Ryan, right? He he was leading <laughs> off he, he, when he was with the Braves, and he went up there. Uh, you know how the the leadoff hitter will go up there, work the count, maybe see a few pitches. And then, <laughs> then he goes into the dugout and tells the guys, "Yeah, what he's got." Yeah, that yeah. was the leadoff guy. Yeah, so so Ralph, he said Ralph. They said Ralph went up there, and he was telling the story, like three pitches up <laughs> Nolan. Right, came back to the dugout, and somebody said, "Hey, hey, Ralph, hey, what's Nolan got today?" And he goes, "Gee, this game is over." <laughs> We got no chance, boys. We got no chance. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was so many people. So many people had stories about Nolan Ryan. About oh, you know yeah. when when he was when he was on his game. I mean, it, you know, they all said it. He was unhittable, and yeah, and I think he was just wild enough to scare the living hell out of people. Oh yeah, just just you know just wild enough. You know, he you know one. He'd let one fly here and there just to remind them. And, you know, and all of a sudden, guys, you know, they started, you know, oh, my back's bothering me a little bit, you know. <laughs> Johnny, what do you got for Oh, man, this is great. Just listening to you guys. And um, uh, I don't know if you've seen that Nolan Ryan documentary that came out earlier this year. Uh, it was just fabulous on his entire No, career. you know what? No, I, I didn't see it. I, I, I've been meaning to watch it. I, haven't watched it yet. Yeah, we'll make sure we get you a link because it's on all the like a couple of the streaming yeah. services now. I saw it in the theaters and it was just fabulous. And uh, what a what a performer, what an athlete he was, and he put the fear into everybody you face. So uh, uh, I love Nolan Ryan myself. Got the chance to see him when he well, was that years ago. Well, that was that was a lot of what you know. If you threw hard, you know, and I don't know if you're going to intimidate a hitter. But you can, you know, I always went out there on the mound and tried to do, you know, I want, I wanted to pitch on intimidation and emotion. Mm-hmm. I wanted, I wanted to try to intimidate hitters, and there's some that you can't. Other ones they just didn't give a damn. They're, you know, hit me if you want to hit me, but I'm going to come in here. But you know, I wanted to pitch on emotion, and intimidation, and if intimidation didn't work, I wanted to do it on emotion, and that was, you know, something that you know I tried to to keep going through my whole career was that that whole idea is just try to try to be one step ahead of that hitter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I got, I got a, uh, kind of a two parter for you and we're going to go back a little bit when, uh, when Henke elected to become a free agent after 92, uh, you were, uh, were you disappointed that he was leaving, uh, or excited that, you were finally gonna get a chance to be the closer for '93, and if you can, and if you can, des- uh, describe the dynamic over the years uh, with you and Hanky. Uh, well, first and foremost, uh, we had a great relationship. You know, Tom and I really, you know, we got along good. We were friends, and we still are friends to this day. Uh, a lot of people wanted to know if I, uh, you know, if we had any animosity toward one another because. You know, here's Tom Hinky, the closer, and here comes, you know, Wardo up, you know, wanting to take Tom's job. No, doing uh, all the dirty no, work. All the yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> that's that's basically what I did. I, you know, I went out there and pitched those three innings when the starter got in trouble, and then he comes in and pitches one inning and gets all the glory. <laughs> but but no, we had we had a we had a great relationship. We had uh, 
you know, and I, I always tell people that, you know, you watch the game of baseball today with with so many relievers coming into a game where, heck, they might use seven, eight, eight pitchers in a game. And that to me is just, you know, it's unbelievable that you need that many pitchers to get through, you know, three or four innings. That to me is unbelievable. But I would always tell people that when I came in the ball game, we will not see Tom Hinkey if I don't do my job. If I don't do my job, we're never going to see Tom Hinkey. As long as I can do my job, we're going to be able to watch Tom Hinkey do his job. So I always said, you know what, no matter what the situation was, coming in with, a, you know, nobody on base, guys on base, whatever, I want to keep that game right where it's at. So I give Tom Hinkey a chance to come in that night to pitch. And I think that dynamic was so good that people, you know, people started almost saying, you know, the Blue Jays have got two closers in the bullpen, yeah. not just not just one. And I remember talking to Cecil Fielder after he left and, you know, a lot of other guys in, in the game, they just basically said, you guys have taken this game of baseball from a nine-inning game to a six-inning game because of what you guys have in that bullpen. If we don't get to the starter – we're going to have to fight with those guys in that bullpen and we don't want to fight with them because the game's going to be over. And that's, I think that's where we kind of changed the game a little bit. Then you start seeing other teams getting those same kind of dynamics going in there where they have, you know, a couple other guys in that bullpen that could be possible closers on other teams. But was I sad to see him go? Yes, because he was my teammate, you know, and he was my, you know, it's my friend and stuff, but it, you know, it opened up an opportunity for me to, to do something, after setting him up for eight years, you know, I get a chance to go out there and shine as, as a closer. And, you know, thank God it worked out good. I mean, if I got out there and, you know, and just, you know, messed all over the bed, I mean, then I go, man, we get to go back and get Tom Hankey back over here. <laughs> but, uh, but no, it, you know, it was an opportunity for me, you know, to come out of the, out of the shadow and into the spotlight. And unfortunately, you know, I, you know, hurt my shoulder that year and hurt my, uh, hurt my pitch in hand. But, uh, you know, in 94. And so, but it was good. You know, I, uh, you know, I think I got a lot of, of attention, even being a setup guy for Tom Hinkie, just for the fact that people were so aware of what we had coming out of our bullpen. So, you know, I think my peers, you know, gave me the respect that I, you know, that I, that I think I earned. Yeah. Two closers, man. That's yeah. As good as any of you two. And now, and now look at it, you know, you see a bunch of guys out there like that that can throw hard stuff. But, I mean, to me, it's – I think, you know, Tom and I, and then, you know, I think you can look over at, you know, some other teams that did the same thing. You know, Oakland A's had a little bit of that. Uh, you had a couple other teams. I was trying to think of who they were off the top of my head. But you had a couple other teams out there that had that kind of the same dynamic where they had those, those quality, quality relievers in front of that closer, which – possibly could have got on to another team and, uh, and, and been a closer or, uh, you know, a, a one, two punch, like, uh, like what Tom and I were. Yeah, exactly. There's not a lot of that anymore. I mean, the one, no, two it's, punch. It, no, no, it's, it's bullpen by committee now. I mean, you know, it you is. got, it, you know, you got a manager here that, you know, you know, had to, had to manage that kind of stuff. And, you know, when you're sitting out there, like, you know, I asked him that question earlier. He's just like, you know, when, man, when the, when the stuff's hitting the fan, I mean, do you sit there and look in your, you know, you know, think in your mind and, and ask your pitching coach or whatever, say, you know, God, who do I go to out here? Who can I trust? You no, know, you, some, you got to look at something. 
Wait, no, Wardo, you got to look at the computer sheet now. Yeah, well, yeah, you got to look at the analytics. Okay, this guy, <laughs> this guy only hits 450 <laughs> off of him as opposed to this guy, you know, hitting 900. No, I, I, I take that stuff and throw that out the window. I, you know, to me, like I said, I, I think one of the most important stats that you can have as a pitcher is ERA. Because I think that takes away from a lot of guesswork that the coaching staff, management, the manager, that I think that takes a lot of the guesswork away from them having to, like, you know, you have to put a jigsaw puzzle together just to win a ball game. When you have those guys that, that you can count on, that you know, and that's something that I wanted Cito to know is that he could trust me. You know, I may get, I may get my ass beat one day, but it's not going to happen three or four times in a row. You know, I wanted him to be able to trust me and say, here, here's the baseball, do your job. And that's something I think every manager in baseball would love to have right now is that trust of somebody coming out of that bullpen to maintain that lead without giving it up. Exactly. And Warner, you know what? You know, you hear a lot in baseball now where the team's bringing their closer in the high leverage situation earlier in the game. And my argument is always this. Listen, if if you don't have two or three guys that can get anybody in that lineup out, on any given night, you're not. Why, very, why are they there? You're not very. Your team's not very good. So <laughs> no. So don't, so don't kill your closer. You know. Well, you know, teams teams even starting off games with with relievers. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. So why are we paying these starters 10, 20, 30 million, 40 million dollars? Yeah. Okay. If that starter can't go out there and give me at least five, put him in the bullpen. Make him a reliever. I mean, to me, I mean, the game has the game has gone so analytical where. First time through the lineup, second time through the lineup, third time through the lineup. Well, hell, there's nobody in baseball except for a handful of people that get the third time through a lineup. And so now you're having to, you know, you're having to, you know, like I said, put that jigsaw puzzle together on the fly with who can I trust with this lead? And, you know, looking at the numbers, like I said, if I have a guy that has a low inherited runner's you know, uh, stat and a, and a low ERA, I think I'm going to trust that guy more than a guy that can throw the ball 100 miles an hour and has no idea where it's going because I know the stuff's going to start hitting the fan. Exactly. Walking okay. guys. Yeah, walking guys or, you know, just, you know, serving it up on a platter. I don't care how hard you throw. These guys can turn it around. You exactly. got to have those complimentary pitches, but you also got to have, and I hate to say, you got to have the balls to say, yeah, give me the baseball. I'll face whoever, whenever, any situation. And I just think a lot of these guys are trying to protect themselves to know that if I don't get hurt, I make money or, you know, what can, you know, I don't know if they look at it the way I did. What can I do to help my team? Yes. But I see, hey, know. Wardo, that mentality is what made you a closer, made you a great setup. Everybody doesn't have that. You can, you, that's, that's the difference. That's why they, you know, you hear this argument, well, anybody anybody should be able to close. No. No. It's because there's something up here and something in there. That's just yeah, a fact. Yeah. You know? Exactly. But, but they don't all have that, what you're talking about. No. and I, I But I think a lot of that is is the fact that, you know, the way the game has changed. You know, I'm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's guys out there that, you know, if given the opportunity to say, okay, we want you to be our closer. I'm sure there's guys out there say, yeah, I, I, yeah, I want that. I want that, you know, just they have that they have that mentality. But I think the analytics and I think other things are, you know, their agent or whatever, just saying, you know, no, you know, you're going to get hurt. Are you going to, you know, whatever. It's just, 
to me, you got to have you got to have that that mentality, like you said, John. You got to have that mentality to say, you know what, any any time, anywhere, any situation, any batter, I don't you care if he's right. Yeah, I want to. I want to face that guy. You want to be in there with the game on the line, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, but everybody's not cut that way, you know. That's what the, no. that made you so good, other than your great arm, you know. So. And I think that's and I think that's where the game of baseball has changed so much. Where you know, it's I mean, you, I I could probably reel off about fifteen guys that you had as a manager, and you'd probably agree with me, but I'm not going to name them. <laughs> But you know, watching Good. the game as watching the game as much as I did, I'm almost sure that you'd probably agree with about 13 of the 15 that I'm exactly right. And that to me is not what the game of baseball is. It's not you know, it's not oh you know I'm a little stiff today. I can't go. No. Can you give me one? Can you get me one out? And these guys yeah. will say no. They'll say no. I you know I got to have the day off. And if you do use them inappropriately, you know, it's almost like their agent immediately calls front office and says what are you doing trying to kill my guy and then, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know and, and you've been on both ends of it Gibby. oh yeah you were, oh you, yeah you were, you, you were management side and player side player side you didn't complain that's right Man, manager side when you became a manager you know later in your you know later in your your career and stuff you heard the complaints but but and you were to well you just goes back to what you said earlier one of the hall of famer bruce told your son kid don't ever turn the ball down you know yeah you may never get it back again and that stuck you know that stuck up here saying you know i'm not going to turn the ball down unless i absolutely cannot throw right 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 but you know if i can give you an out if i can you know if i can give you uh if i can give you an inning i'll give it to you you know and and see will look at you the next day and go hey i'm not going to use you if he knows that hey i've used you enough or whatever but uh they shoot. I, that reminds me of a story over in Oakland one one time. We were, uh, you know, back in uh, God, what was it? Ninety two, I think it was. Yeah, it was ninety two. I think it was. Yeah, we were. You know, the whole bullpen was out one night over to at a place called uh, Johnny Loves, and we're sitting in there, you know, and you know, a couple of the Oakland players are you know in, in the bar and stuff like that, and you know, the whole bullpen was in the bar, and. All of a sudden, people are tapping us on the shoulder, saying, "Hey, you guys got a, you know, you guys got some drinks here." We go, "Okay, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it was one of the Oakland players trying to, you know, have us, you know, drink a little more than we should or whatever." So we, you know, we 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 drink them down, and you know, about five ten minutes later, you know, taps on the shoulder again, "Hey, you guys got some drinks here?" We're going, "Okay, somebody's somebody's screwing with us here." But anyway, you know, it went on for a little while where we, you know, we had you know some 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 drinks. Anyway. The next day at the game, one Guzman's pitching. And we don't know if Guzzi's going to give us one or if he's going to give us nine stellar. I'll be gosh dang about the fifth inning or six, about the – I think it was the sixth inning. Guzzi's just like starting to starting to gas out. I mean, he's just starting to get a little wild. Cito calls down to the bullpen. And, you know, we'd all been out that night drinking. We didn't know, you know, gosh, you know, Goosey, maybe he can give us nine, but you know, sure enough, he doesn't. But we uh, calls down and Sully picks up the phone. And he goes, "Hey, put Wardo on the phone." See, <laughs> you know, I get on the phone and Cito goes, "Hey, Wardo, are you okay today?" <laughs> and I'm going, "Yeah, I'm fine." Yeah, he goes, hey, "Can you give me a Can you give me a couple or whatever?" And I said, uh, "You know, Cito, I'll give you whatever you need." And he goes, "Okay." He goes, "Get up and go along with Goosey." And this is the sick. I'm the closer. No, this is '93. This is 93 because I'm the closer. 
He goes, get up and go along with Guzzi. <laughs> and uh, come to find out, I end up, you know, coming in the game that day and everything else end up winning. But uh, come to find out, all those drinks that were being bought for us at Johnny Loves, it was Cito. He was bartending that night. <laughs> he, got, he, got, he got us all completely, you know, just hammered and everything else. And, but he called down. He didn't call down to see the other guys. You know, give him one or two. He got bored. Oh, how many can you give me? <laughs> he, he knew. He yeah. knew you were the only one that could handle it. <laughs> yeah, but he, uh, yeah, he was he was the bartender that night that got us all uh, in a little oh, bit of trouble. <laughs> Well, Wardo, listen, pal, man, we sure appreciate you coming on here, man, and, and, and having a good laugh with us and talking about your great career. And, you know, uh, I got a trivia question for you, you know, because we were talking about, you know. I you got an answer. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you do. But because you threw, you know, you threw over 100 innings. How many years in a row? Five years. We're, we're, that's unheard of. All right, who, who, who threw the most inning bullpenner in the history of the game? Most innings as a bullpenner? Coming out of the bullpen pitcher. Oh, gosh. You know what? That's got to be, what, Jesse Orozco? No, I'm talking about any – no, oh, any's in oh, a year. Oh, any's in a year. Uh, God, Mike Marshall? Mike Marshall. How many? 1970 – what year was it? 1976, I think, I think it was. It was right around that time. You got yeah, any idea how he, many? Uh you know what, Mark Icorn in 1986 through 158 innings, I think. I think Mike Marshall was right around 168 or 170. More than it started. 208. Yeah, you know, he pitched in 106 games that year. How about that? He pitched in 106 Man. games that year. Unbelievable. But, I mean, that was, you know, I mean, the guy had a rubber arm. He really did. I, I, I'm sure you remember Mike Marshall. Yeah, but I'm to say he wasn't yeah. bringing that popping that velo like no, you, man. no, no, he wasn't. That's the things that you know. He was like Mark Eichhorn, screwballer, he, I think. Yeah, yeah, he? yeah. And he could go out there like Mark Eichhorn, you know, who was a side armor and you know just you know pitch game after game after game and just really never taxed themselves that much. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Marshall, I remember that. You know, just uh, two hundred. I thought I thought, I, I thought you were going to ask ask me who threw more innings, uh, hundred innings or more in a you know consecutive years. Raleigh Fingers. He threw oh, seven. Right. He threw he threw seven years in a row of hundred innings or more out of the bullpen. You're right there on his tail. And he was a closer. That's right. That's right. Over a hundred innings, seven years in a row as a closer. Damn. Yeah, but I thought you know I used to I used to take the baseball encyclopedia with me on the on the plane. And look, at, look at stats that people had way back when and everything. Hey, I got one quick story before we let you go <laughs> too again. Because uh, remember Rick Waits, the old left-handed pitcher, Waiter. Yes. Waiter was my pitching coach in the minor leagues a few years. And I think it, when he when he finished in Milwaukee at the end of his career, when Fingers Raleigh was in, in Milwaukee, right? And I think Bam, Bam, George Bamberger might have been the manager, but he had he had a rule with George because it was the end of Raleigh's career. He says, if you get me up in the bullpen, I'm get in me the in. game. Yeah. I'm in the game or I ain't pitching, right? So <laughs> Wait, wait, waiter's at the end of his career and he's pitching the bullpen now because he was a pretty good starter. Yeah. So he says he's down there one night and the, the, pit, the starter's getting in trouble. And they call down there and say, Get fingers going, right? All right. So he gets up and he's throwing. And then uh, the guy gets out of it. So they, they sit him down and then uh, the starter goes back out there for another inning, gets a little trouble. They call, Get fingers going again. He, <laughs> 
Everybody's looking around. They can't find him. <laughs> he left. He went. He went in and showered. He said. He said. And then he. And then he told him. He said, "Listen, I told you. If I get up and start throwing, I'm in the game. Otherwise, I ain't pitching." Sure enough. Oh God! He goes in and just, just starts ripping it off, taking a shower. Oh, that's I love beautiful. It. Could you? Could you imagine that happening today? I can't. Oh. I can oh, imagine oh. that happening today. Yeah, in this game, this game of baseball. Oh, oh these guys tell you. I, no, I told. Yeah, yeah. yeah if I get up, I'm, I'm. If I'm not in, I'm going into the shower. I mean, I could, I could see that happening today. <laughs> but, back, but back then, that that's priceless. I mean, something like that. Oh. It's like, you know, one. I'll, I'll give you one more story. When we first got Jack Morris Ooh, in ninety and in, in ninety two, I think it was, we got Jack Morris. Um, you know, Jack was always one of those guys that wanted to go nine. You know, I'm, yes. you know, I'm going to go after, I'm going to go nine, you know, Dave, Steve going to go nine, you know, guys like that, you know, they were Danny duration. Anyway, you know, we're, you know, Cito's going to let Jack, you know, start, you know, opening game or whatever. And uh, Jack told Cito, said, you know, I'm going to go nine. Don't come and get me. You know, I want to show everybody this is why you got me this, that, whatever. And anyway, uh, Jack's out there in the game and he gets in a little bit of trouble on that opening day. And uh, his first start, and uh, Cito comes out there and goes, "Hey, you know, I'm, you know, let me get you." He goes, "No, Cito, you know, let me. No, I, I can finish this. I, I'm good. I can finish this." And Cito goes, "No, Jack, let me show you what we have in this bullpen, because <laughs> over in Detroit, he didn't have that great bullpen." Uh. He goes, "Let me show you the horses I have in this bullpen." And Jack, Jack goes, "No, no, let me finish it. Let me finish it." And he goes, no. I goes, Cito goes, I'll tell you what. You let me go get my horses. If you're not happy with it, next time out, you tell me when you want to come out of the game, if you want to come out of the game. Anyway, Jack goes, okay, okay. He gives Cito the ball. I come in, pitch like an inning or two or whatever. Bam, bam, bam. And here comes Hinky in behind me. Bam, you know, game's over. Jack gets the W on his first start as a Blue Jay. Hinky gets the save that day or whatever. Anyway, Jack goes walking by Cito's office in the in the clubhouse, <laughs> and he looks in there and he hollers at him, "You can have that damn ball anytime you want it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. Because he didn't, you know. He goes, "Let me show yeah. you the horses. Let me show you my horses." It makes a huge Jack, difference. Well, I mean, look at the pressure it takes off of your starters. Oh yeah. You know, look look at the pressure it takes off of that. You know, starters, coaching staff, manager. When you sit there and go, man, I'll tell you what, look at the horses we have on this staff. Let's use them. And that just makes a world of difference. And you guys were one of the best all time, man. But, but Warner, listen, pal, we okay. sure appreciate your time, man. And uh, Oh, it's my make, pleasure. Hey, don't be afraid to do it again. We'll do, we'll do it again, huh, Johnny? Oh, absolutely. It was a pleasure. And by yeah. the way, that uh, documentary, Facing Nolan, is on Netflix. Oh, yes. That's right. That's right. Okay, I, I remember it now. Y'all yeah, have to watch that. All right, bro. Next, next, yeah, pleasure. Next, Johnny and John, it's nice seeing you. Look good. Don't get, uh, don't get too, don't fall in love too much up there in that Montana area. Oh, uh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm out there with Costner, man. Hanging yeah, yeah, out yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, yeah, you're, you're up there doing Yellowstone, aren't you? Exactly. I love it, man. You're, you're Texas. You're Texas through and through. You ain't gonna give up Texas, man. You gotta go out there and live, man. The world's getting too crazy. Gotta I live. hear you. That's what I love about this. You know, you don't have to shave every day anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Warner, thanks, my friend. Huh? It's my pleasure, John. Nice meeting you and everything else. Give me, take nice care of you. yourself. Okay, Thank pal. You.
Now inspired by our friends at Miller Lite, it's time for this week's Roast and Toast. Well, Gibby, during this year's National League Championship Series, Christopher Mad Dog Russo, who hosts High Heat on the MLB Network and has his own channel on SiriusXM, well, he commented on the Arizona Diamondbacks' chances against the Philadelphia Phillies in the NLCS. Russo did not think the Diamondbacks had a chance to win either Game 6 or 7 in Philadelphia, and he went as far as saying he would retire on the spot if Arizona won and made it to the World Series. Well, as we both know, and as everybody listening or watching this show know, Arizona did advance. Diamondbacks manager Tori Lovello said he expected Russo to keep his word, as did millions of social media users who have blasted him ever since. Russo... <laughs> who is friends with Howard Stern, appeared on his show following uh, Game 7, the day after Game 7, and said that he would not be retiring. And Howard and Russo started negotiating on what should the punishment be. Uh, Russo agreed that he will wear a Arizona Diamondbacks bikini and walk the streets in New York City wearing a self-disparaging sign, which we will not... Uh, mention what that sign says here on this program. Diamondbacks players and fans may not think that this is enough punishment for the Mad Dog. So for his comments before the World Series and for choosing this bikini stunt on the Howard Stern Show, give me this week's roast is the Mad Dog, Christopher Russo. <laughs> oh man, dog! You know, hey, it's gonna be like that singing cowboy down there at Times Square. Is that what they call oh, the him? Naked the naked cowboy. The naked cowboy. That would be a sight. Hey, I tell you what, there's he's probably ninety percent of the people felt the same way he was that they weren't going to beat the Phillies because the Phillies, you know, uh, were playing playing so good, and so powerful, and they 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 just whipped the Atlanta Braves. But that just shows you, man, you got to play it out, right? And on any given night, anybody can. You know, plus they're going into that uh, lion's den there in Philly, man, where it's oh. not, not very easy. So, But that's – hey, that's why you got to zip it, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, especially you know, if you're in that position as a broadcaster, you're not – you can't say uh, I will retire on the spot if this team wins. I mean uh, – Hey, no, that's typical. Cause it's like it's like uh, all these Hollywood stars or something when in, in, uh, they say if, if this ex- – so-and-so wins the election or whoever – I'm going to move to a different country. Well, we're, we're, still, we're waiting on you, man. What's what's going on? So you don't, you know, but they, you know, we, we yeah. try to call it bluff. You know, but, credibility yeah. means a lot. And uh, Russo has always been a little bit polarizing, uh, even back with his days with uh, Mike Francesa, Mike and the Mad Dog. Uh, yes. But anyway, uh, we, we look forward to uh, seeing uh, Russo in that bikini walking down Manhattan. Which should be a <laughs> oh, sight for sore eyes, for sure. <laughs> the middle of the winter. <laughs> It'll be funny. Uh, we have a great toast of the week, though, uh, Gibby. Uh, the postseason has always been filled with spectacular performances by players. This year, no exception. From Bryce Harper's heroic postseason uh, to uh, the former Jays catching prospect, uh, Moreno, who we've talked about hitting the four home runs so far, to the amazing uh, player who you even kind of roasted last week, Adolis Garcia, uh, who has hit homers in five consecutive postseason games. It's hard not to toast all of them. But one performance has made history. Diamondback second baseman, 
Cattell Marte broke the postseason game-hitting streak record in Game 2 of the World Series on Saturday night. He recorded a hit for the 18th consecutive game. Amazing feat. Uh, it started off in 2017 when he got uh, four hits in four, uh, in four games. Uh, but for this postseason, he has now hit in 18 consecutive games, as I said. Marte, 30 years old, unseated Hall of Famer Derek Jeter, 12-time All-Star Manny Ramirez, and Hank Bauer, seven-time world champion for the New York Yankees. And uh, he has safely hit in all 14 Arizona's games this season. Uh, it is a very special accomplishment, uh, really record-breaker. So for breaking the all-time consecutive postseason games hitting streak, uh, this week we're going to toast Cattell Marte. Yeah, incredible. You know what? A, what a good-looking player. You know, and I know he's not some youngster that's been around. He's been around a little bit, um, but you think about it too. The in the in the the postseason where you know the pressure's ratcheted up. You know, you're facing the best pitchers in the game. I mean, that's they help get their you know teams to the postseason. So you're not facing any weak sisters in there anywhere. Um, incredible, incredible feat. You know, he had the big walk off against the Phillies. That home game there, the the series before this, yeah, you know. But you 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 watch this guy, you watch this guy play. He he is he, he just looks like a seasoned vet that knows what he's doing. And uh, but the odd, I mean, the odds are it's, it's so against you. The the fact that you can pull that off and is is pretty incredible. So we hey, we salute him, man. He's gonna That's get he, he a good chance. He'll get a few more too. All right, Gibby, uh, a reminder for everybody out there, uh, Gibby will be heading back to Toronto on Saturday, November 11th uh, to appear at the Sports Card Expo with Dave Winfield, Tim Raines, other guests, Mike Tyson, Nature Boy Ric Flair, Gibby, all there at the same place at the same time. Come on out and meet Gibby at the Sports Card Expo taking place at the International Center. Just go to sportcardexpotoronto.com. Com for more information. And that'll wrap up this edition of the Gibby Show. For John Gibbons, this is John Arezzi. We'll be back next week to talk more postseason baseball with you and the World Series. So have a great week, everyone, and happy Halloween. <laughs>